Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with another album review for you guys. This just really suits the season, right? This is Sowen's first album, Initium. And uh, this was not the first album that I knew by them. I knew November Coming Fire first, I believe. And that is one that I did last year. And so this year, of course, I am now doing the one that I knew second. So, you know, the thing that's great about music is it really is timeless. I mean, there are certain things that feel very specific to a time period, such as disco. But in general, you know, you can listen to any kind of music at any time. I still live in, listen to Beethoven, and that stuff was written a couple hundred years ago. Mozart, Bach, all those guys. So uh, music to me is something that really is I- irrelevant to time. But there are certain things, certain triggers. You think of Halloween, you think of horror music like Alice Cooper, The Misfits, stuff like that. And so uh, this is one of those bands. Of course, Glenn, uh, as he left The Misfits, started uh, Samhain and started putting out some music that was, you know, not the same. It was in the same general category, you know, dark horror punk. But uh, this this had a completely different feeling. And it really, when you look at his career, you look at The Misfits, then you look at Samhain, then you look at Danzig. It's actually a pretty understandable progression of where he started to where he is now. Uh, he's gotten more bluesy over time, I think. But there's there's some signs of that within some of the Samhain songs. Not so much on this album, but the, the later stuff. So from what I've been able to piece together, and again, you know, this is another one that is unfortunately out of print. I don't know if you can find it on Spotify or anywhere because I don't have any music services. But Uh, I do have in the show notes, there is a link to an Amazon sale uh, where you can find it. However, it is pretty expensive because it's it's an out-of-print rarity. So I would look more probably at eBay or Discogs if you're looking to pick up a copy of it. Uh, I've had great success with both of those sites as far as finding albums and uh, continue to use those to these days. I mean, of course, if I can get the album in a way where the artist gets paid like they should... You know, I'll typically try iTunes or Amazon first uh, because those are places where if I purchase through there, the band gets their portion of the sale, which they should. However, when it comes to something like this, it's out of print. There's really not much you can do to support the band if you want to get a copy of the album. So you have to find some kind of third party way to uh, get it into your catalog. And uh, I would say probably eBay or Discogs would be your best bet unless you want to go for that sale on Amazon if somebody hasn't grabbed it already. I think it was like around 60 some dollars, if I remember right. I don't remember uh, for sure the amount, but it was it was pretty pricey, I would say. Uh, if you could find the box set, you could probably pay that for the box set and have all the songs instead of just this one album. Now, I originally had this album on cassette, later purchased it on CD, and then, of course, Eventually, when the Samhain box set came out, um, got that. But what I didn't realize is that there is an actual difference in the songs on this one in the box set. The original album came with nine songs. And what gets confusing about it is that the box set also had nine songs. uh, I'm sorry, 10 songs. The original uh, CD came with 10 songs, including the song Horror Biz, and the box set came with not Horror Biz, but it also took Initium and Samhain, the first two songs, 
and merged them onto one track. So all the track numbers after that were then off uh, from what the normal album would be. So I had to actually like go in and reprogram all those. But what I realized is that in the process of, I got the box set, I don't need the cassette anymore, I don't need the CD anymore, I lost the song Horror Biz. So uh, obviously I have the Misfits version, but I don't have the Samhain version. And it, you know, it wasn't one of my favorite songs anyway, so I, I don't really feel like I'm missing too much there personally. But I know that was a favorite for a lot of people. So that is something to pay attention to. Um, but it's a great album uh, overall. It's pretty dark. It's heavy. It's got a really unique sound to it. Um, I love the atmosphere and the production on the album. Because again, like I said in my recent episode reviewing um, Legacy of Brutality by The Misfits, there's a lot that you can get away with in this style of music that you really can't get away with so much in other styles, you know. Other styles really have to be clean and polished and punked. I think if it's clean and polished, it sounds wrong. You know, there should be a raw element to it. There should be a, you know, a little bit of maybe bleed in the sound or, you know, something that's just not quite perfect. And I think that that just brings about the element of punk a little bit more. It's rebellious, right? So the music should reflect that. I wouldn't mind hearing good, clean, polished stuff. Like when I listen to, to Danzig's newer stuff, even going back to the song Mother, Nice studio, clean production. It sounds fine. But for this kind of stuff, which is more punk than blues or, or something a little more straightforward, I would say it's just perfect to um, to have a little bit of imperfection within the music. It really seems to suit it a little bit more. So, um, yeah, that's the interesting thing about this is that the uh, the difference in the box set missing out on Horror Biz. Uh, the other thing that I found out in researching this album that I didn't know was that the Unholy Passion EP was at one point actually part of Initium. There was a deluxe version of Initium that came out that had the Unholy Passion songs as additional tracks. Um, that's really weird to me because the sound of those songs is so different. Um, sound, they were recorded at a completely different time, different vibe altogether. So it's interesting that they were um, available at that point because they were actually the last thing to be released standalone. And uh, I don't know, I find the whole thing uh, absolutely fascinating. But in any case, it's a great album. It's one that I really enjoy. I actually did a cover of one of these songs. And it wasn't very good, but it, you know, it was something that I did for fun. So the band itself, it's really small. It's Glenn Danzig on guitar and vocals. It's Erie Vaughn on bass and it's Steve Zing on drums. And that's it for this album. Um, I didn't know that Glenn was this good of a guitarist. I didn't realize he played guitar in it actually. Um, cause I never looked into it. You know, I was never a person who cared about all those little details to me. The band makes the album, um, you know, certain odd things you want to know who did them, but you know, if somebody steps in and helps out on another part or, or does something a little bit different, you know, it's the band together and whoever is in the band that's responsible for the sound of the band. So I, I kind of look at it more as a collective and I never, I, I was never really a person who cared about the individual credits. You know, to me, it's the band. So uh, in this case, though, the band is very small. So Glenn had a little more on his plate. I don't know who did all the effects and stuff so much because that I didn't see any credits for. Like the song Initium, um, I would imagine some of that's done on guitar, but there's just a, a real creepy vibe to it. And I don't know who was responsible for putting all those sounds together. I would imagine Glenn did the, uh, all the lyrics or at least most of them. In any case, uh, it's a really cool album, and it's one that uh, I'm going to enjoy digging into with you guys. 
So let's do that very thing. Here is the first song, the opening pace setter, Initium. So this isn't really just an introduction to the album. Because it's their first album, it's really an introduction to the band. And I think this clearly sets the tone that this is not going to be a replication of The Misfits. This is going to be its own thing. And I think that's pretty cool. I really like the uh, the shrieking sound in the background. It's It's kind of like the wind, but it's really not. At the same time, I think that's pretty creative. I think it definitely sets a, uh, you know, late autumn, cold night, leaves blowing around in the wind kind of feel. And uh, definitely some uh, ominous words from Glenn himself. Very powerful delivery. Uh, I, I don't think he could have done any better, to be honest. Uh, great, great opening. But it's one that I honestly don't listen to a lot. When I do put the album on, I tend to just go right to the first song because I don't really need that tone to be set. The first song actually does it for me. Within a couple of seconds, I'm right in that zone I want to be in for listening to this album. And, you know, it is a a favorite album of mine. Um, There's a lot of great songs on it that I have a lot of associated memories with. In fact, uh, just, just driving late at night, kind of like I would sometimes just circle around the block a couple of times because I didn't want to get home before the song ended. And I didn't want to sit in the driveway listening to the song. So I would take the long way home sometimes or or whatever, just to get a little extra time in with the album because I enjoyed it so much. So speaking of enjoyment, let's get into the first musical track of the album. And that is called Sowin. Take 
See, I think this one also really sets the pace, even though it's the second song on the album. I think it really kind of sets a more accurate tone for what to expect from the band. Definitely not the Misfits, definitely something different in the same family, but a completely distant cousin of the previous band that Glenn had. Uh, I really like this. I like that there's a lot of vocals in it. I like that there's a lot of vocal layering. I think the drums are really powerful. Uh, doing some very interesting things. And that's one thing I will say about this band is that the drumming is very different. It's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't expect. And I don't I don't know how much that is related to punk in general versus this this band. You know, with the Misfits, there was a lot of different types of drumming too, but uh, the drumming is just very unique here. I mean, you're you're really not hearing any hi-hat or ride cymbal. It's pretty much all toms and kick drum and snare. And I like that. I like that it's just something completely different, a whole new way to look at percussion from a drummer's perspective. And the whole album is like that. Really, the, the bulk of the band is like that, um, is, is just I'm thinking through some of the other albums. But uh, it's definitely a great song. It's really powerful. Uh, the guitars are stunning on it, I think. Um, definitely a powerful bass. But just a, a unique song, you know, something that's really different. And that's what I like about it. Now, before I move on to the next song, and this is going to be a little confusing for me as I do this, uh, I went through the files, and actually the good news is Horribiz is on here, which is why I didn't find I was missing it. What happened was, they, what I was saying earlier, and I thought I had fixed this on my drive, but apparently I didn't. So the track for Initium is actually Initium and Samhain together on one file ID. They have listed track two as the song Samhain, but track two is actually song three, which is Black Dream, and then it just gets messed up from there. But the last song is correct, so somewhere along the line, you know, something's got to give and something's got to be labeled wrong. So uh, there is an a additional track. So there's actually 10 tracks, but they're broken up into nine file IDs. So that's where it gets confusing. But all the tracks are labeled wrong up through the first half of the album until we get to Horribus. Everything after that is labeled properly. So I have to go in and recode all of that. But that's what happens when you, uh, you know, when you rip from the box set everything's going to be a little bit off and it's it's off on the box set as well. So of course it would be when you rip it. But uh, yeah, just to add a little more confusion to the whole thing. But the good news is, is I actually have all 10 songs. And I, cause I was thinking about that. I was like, why do I not feel like the album is missing something if there's a whole track missing from the version I'm used to? And that's why, because it is actually there. It's just improperly coded. So I got, I'll go back and fix all that stuff. But if you guys have the box set, and you've ripped that to your computer or to your you know, iPod or whatever, uh, you may want to take a look at the actual listings versus what the actual songs are, and then you can go back and fix that. But you'll, you would also, to make it completely accurate, you would have to take the track of Initium and break it down into two separate files, um, which you know is easy enough to do. There's, a, there's such a hair of a stopping point between Initium and the song Samhain that you can you have to really zoom in to cut it properly but you can cut it as you will as you heard but the next song uh and i'm still going to just do them in order uh the next song is called black dream Thank you. 
So a little bit of tubular bells in there. And uh, and I think that's really cool. I, I think that that just adds such a dramatic effect to the song. Um, but, you know, for a, a somewhat up-tempo song and uh, it, just a powerful vocal, a very passionate performance by the band, um, really interesting drums. I can't hear the bass specifically so much because it's blending in with the guitars, but um, it's just another song that shows the versatility of Glenn's writing, but also finding people that can look at music from an outside-the-box perspective, right? Not like, okay, we're going to have this kind of performance. We're going to have this kind of structure. It's like, no, this is how this song goes. There's a real big difference between those two things. You know, you can have a structure, but there's there's something to be said about music that's performed in a way that isn't done traditionally. You know, you have your guitar riff, you have your drums, but they're not, uh, especially the drums are not performed in the way that you would in in most circumstances. So it, that's really the outside the box thinking to me is, is, you know, how can we play this that would be different from what any other band would do or any other group of musicians would put together? And I think they've done a great job very consistently on this album to create that. Uh, Black Dream is such a good song. Um, I, I love where they decided to put the backups just really as accents and uh, the the vocals are a little bit buried in the mix, but you can still kind of make out what they're saying. For for Glenn, I just kind of gave up on the fact that I would ever know all the stuff that he says unless I find uh, some sort of accurate lyric sheet. And even some of the lyric sheets that were in you know the box sets, I'm like that doesn't really sound like that's what he's saying. So I don't know for sure, um, but I I do like the the song. I've never understood phrases like. You know, there, there's the end of the chorus that says "Black Dream can kiss me loose." I like. I don't get what that means. I've never understood phrases like that. It's just like taking two words and putting them together: "kiss" and "loose." Kiss me loose. I don't. You know, I I don't know what that means. But uh, it it sounds good though. The way that he sings it, there's there's like a I know this is the answer to the problem kind of feel to it, and I think that 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 kind of delivery that can give me that feeling that resolution. It is actually really cool. And I don't think that he's necessarily doing anything difficult or special. It's just that something in that performance makes me feel like I know the answer. Here's the here's the way out of the situation. So uh, to me, that's pretty cool when you can deliver that in a way without saying it, but still give that same feeling. Now, the next song that we have is called All Murder, All Guts, All Fun. It's one of my favorites on the album, and uh, it's one that I did a cover of many, many years ago. I was living in Denver and uh, was really into this album that autumn and thought, you know what, I'll just do a, a cover of it and see. And I knew nothing about doing covers. I knew nothing about understanding how other people wrote their music. So I just kind of winged everything and it didn't come out very good, but it was a fun experiment. And, um, you know, when I've gone on, obviously now I know much more about how bands put their songs together and that sort of thing. And uh, the covers that I've done, you know, in more recent years are a little more accurate, but it was something I just had fun with because it's just a fun song. It's like fun horror, as you will see. Here is the song.
Yeah, this is just fun uh, as, uh, as a song goes. You know, it's very imaginative. I like the way that that this song to me represents the album cover, which I didn't talk about. Uh, the album cover is basically the three of them dressed in a little bit of black leather and just covered in blood. You know, it's dripping down. It was obviously poured on the top of their heads and dripping down over their faces onto their chest. And uh, this song really represents that because it's all about, you know, how much he loves the grisly side of, of the human body. You know, when it's uh, when chests explode, when limbs are torn off, when the head is decapitated. Uh, these are a few of his favorite things, if you will. And so I think that it, it's really kind of reflective of the album cover, probably more than any of the other songs. But it's just a fun song. It's got a great groove to it. It's got a couple of interesting uh, parts on the drums. Um, there are just some great chords that are played that carry through the verse instead of it being, you know, like heavily strummed or picked. And uh, it's, it's just a fun lyrical song, too. So one that I've enjoyed and I enjoyed enough of it to, you know, do my own version of it. Uh, whether it was good or not is not the point. It was just fun enough to do the version of it. But uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of like the, the uplifting song on the uh, on the album, if you will. Uh, the next song, I, you know, I struggle with the pronunciation of the title because I always thought it was pronounced macabre. You know, when I think of guys like Vincent Price narrating, I think of him saying the word macabre. Uh, but in the song, it's pronounced Macbree. I've never heard that pronunciation apart from the song. So I don't know whether that's correct or I don't know if that is just the way that they did it in the song because it fit the, the song better, which is very possible. But I would... I would shudder to think that they would just change a word around completely just to make it fit the song. So there may be multiple pronunciations of it. I'm really not sure. Um, like I said, this is the only reference to it that I've ever heard is Mac Bree. So here is whatever the hell this song is called. There are so many things I love about this song. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about the drum sound for a second. Uh, I love just this, this bottom-heavy, beefy snare sound. It really cuts through, but doesn't overshadow or, or bleed over anything else. It's really interesting. Normally, I would say I wish I had a more punchy kick drum. But honestly, for this kind of music, I think that muddied over tone really sounds much better. It adds a bit more of a raw edge. I think if it was too punchy, it might make the song sound too polished overall. So as big of a fan as I am of a punchy kick, I think what we have here really fits this style of music. 
Um, love the guitars. I love the the riffs that they have here. Um, they're very simple. To they really set more of a tone. There's a lot of uh, chords, and uh, you know, just just played straight without uh, you know any any additional strumming or picking. And I like that. Um, I'd like just the whole thing, the whole package. But the best part, honestly, is Glenn's performance on this because he is just passionate. He's on fire and he needs to let these words out. And I feel that he's just giving a thousand percent performance right here, even though that's mathematically impossible by 10. I I just think he's given it everything he's got. And that's one thing I've really loved with this band is I feel like he does that almost all the time. I mean, there's a couple of songs that are just kind of laid back in general that really don't warrant that kind of uh, energy and passion. But when when it's available, I feel like he really brings it. I feel like he, I don't know if he felt he needed to prove something after the Misfits or what the situation was. Maybe he was more in control of the situation and he could just let loose. I'm really not sure. But in any case, uh, the, the performance from him is just stellar all across this album. But I think this is one of the best examples of how passionately he can really sing. Now, this next song I like to call... Say it Satan without saying it's Satan. It's called He Who Cannot Be Named. One thing I think that's really nice about this album and really gives it some character too is that sort of slapback reverb that they've got on Glenn's voice. It's it's kind of working as a doubler, and maybe they are using a doubler, but I don't think so. It just doesn't have that feel to it for me. But it sounds really good anyway and kind of sets the vocal apart from a straight vocal. Again, gives us a little bit more of a raw sound than that polished feeling that we would have if it was just a straight, clean vocal with a little bit of reverb on it. But overall, yeah, it's a, it's a good song. It's got good energy to it. Um, probably one of my least favorite on the album, but that's not to say it's a bad song by any means. I mean, there's only, you know, 10 songs on the thing. One of them's bound to be your least favorite. Another one's bound to be more of a favorite. Um, but yeah, it's got good energy. It's got great drums, uh, some really nice fills in there. But it's just kind of, you know, a quick in and out song. And I, it, it kind of makes me feel like there's not enough here for me to grasp. There's not a lot of changes in parts um, as some of the other songs have. It's a, it's a good song, but I would put it in probably one that I'm, I'm sometimes likely to skip when I listen to the album. Um, but, you know, again, as I always say, don't let my opinions discourage you just because I don't like something or, or I like something less than something else doesn't necessarily mean by any means that you won't just love it because you just may. And now that brings us to our, what was previously thought to be a lost song. Now I'm really glad I did a show on this because I learned that I still have the song. I actually learned I lost it because I started doing this podcast and then I learned I got it back. So it, it's all good. Uh, Horror Biz, a Misfits cover. 
See, what's interesting to me about this being on this album is that this is a lot more picking than some of the other songs. And it really shows that contrast between what the Misfits did and what Salen's wanting to do. Because uh, Salen's wanting to do a lot more uh, just chords and leaving those open to put room for the vocals, whereas the Misfits was a lot of picking. And uh, maybe that's just my perception of it. I could be completely wrong. um, But thinking about some different tracks, that really seems to be the case. It's just a different style of music. Uh, But this is a good cover. Um, I think it throws the album off a little bit personally, um, just because of that stylistic change. But it's, you know, it's very respectful of the original, but has kind of a different sound to it than the original did. So they did a good job. And, um, you know, certainly it was a, a good idea probably to put a Misfit song on here so that the fans would have that immediate connection or maybe fans of the Misfits would find out about this because there was a cover version of Horror Biz. So very intelligent uh, decision to put this on the album, just even for those reasons alone. Now, I remember when I lived in Denver the first time, I was, I think, 19, had just turned 19 right around the time I moved up there. And uh, I that first, uh, well, I re- really only lived up there for a few months, but it was in the uh, the midsummer that I moved and I left in the early fall, but it was very rainy that season. And I remember uh, I had a leak in my roof, but I had this tape in my tape player and I would drive home from work listening to this song, which is called The Shift. The mood of this song just really strikes me. It has such a, a dark edge and overtone to it. But I love those little sounds that they're finding. It almost sounds like guitar feedback, but it's not. And just the rhythm of the song, um, the the fact that it, it doesn't really go through a lot of changes. It's a very simple song structure, but there's just some amazing thing to me about the feel of the song. And it's it's definitely been one of my favorites, one that I've listened to many, many times. In fact, one I would listen to and rewind and listen to again and um, just enjoy it. The vocals are really easy to follow. It's a simple song, but it's really got an edge to it, which I think is cool. And that brings us to the second to the last track on the album. Um, If you have the proper album, it would probably be song number nine instead of song number eight, if you have the box set. And this is called The Howl. Oh, 
Well, first off, that is just a killer drum beat. I absolutely love it. And it's interesting that it stays very much the same until the guitars come in. And then uh, every fourth pass, there's an accent on it that's just a little bit different that kind of makes it uh, interesting and changes things instead of it just being one straightforward, here's what you get all the way through the song. Um, But he keeps up the rhythm the whole time, but there are subtle changes in it along the way, which I think is great. But another thing that I really love about this drummer is that he throws in some dynamics, you know, little accents on the snare, little buzz rolls, things that that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And they make it really colorful and interesting to listen to the song because it's not just you heard the first verse and chorus that's just going to get repeated over and over again. I mean, he's really articulating some things that I haven't really I don't listen to a lot of punk. But from what I've heard, I don't really hear other drummers doing that kind of stuff. So it's, again, part of that unique Samhain flavor that we're getting. Um, Great, great delivery on vocals. It's uh, a very powerful song. The riff is fantastic. Um, It just really tells this ominous story, you know, about this this, uh, human slaughterhouse and what goes on and people that don't believe it are the ones that end up in it. Uh, I love that concept, too, because that's just like a good Twilight Zone irony, I think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Glenn was a fan of the Twilight Zone. In fact, that would really fit well with a lot of the stuff that he's written. Um, I know that he was very much into like, you know, 50s uh, uh, horror and sci-fi movies and stuff. So uh, the Twilight Zone was probably very much on his radar, I would imagine. But in any case, it's a great song. One of my favorites. Um, it's it's energetic. It's got a groove to it, but it's still dark at the same time. And I love when you can put all of those elements into one song. That's really kind of a magical contradiction in my book. So that brings us to the last song where we're going to slow things down a little bit, but not take any of that passion away. This song is called Archangel. See, just nice drums, uh, nice chords without, uh, you know, a lot of picking. And it really works for this song as well. Uh, A very unique sound for the band. And I think that they've really set themselves in a good place on this album, given a great showing of who they really go on to be as their next couple of albums come out. Uh, Unfortunately, a very short-lived band, but uh, one whose music I've enjoyed very much. 
Um, but this song is great. It's uh, it's really sloppy on the timing, which, you know, as a drummer, I kind of I, I get it because, like I've said, in punk, you can really take most of those rules and throw them out the window and punk is going to be what it's going to be. But sometimes it just gets a little bit too sloppy. And as a drummer, that, um, you know, internal metronome kicks in and kind of makes me cringe a little bit here and there. But it's a great song. Another one that I would just like stay in the car. You know what? I'll I'll take the next exit on the highway. That'll give me enough time to to finish the song before I have to go in the house. And uh, it, it's it's just one that you can sing along to very easily. It's got a great feel to it. Um, it really, for me, you know, this whole album, but especially certain songs, just bring back nostalgia. I remember being in Colorado Springs on a very, very, very windy autumn evening. Um, I don't remember where I was going, but I think I was coming back from my buddy Travis's place and uh, I, I was probably headed home or, or headed to the store or something. And the wind was just blowing the leaves everywhere. And this song came on and I'm like, you know, I just want to stay in the warm car and listen to this song and just enjoy watching what's going on outside. And, you know, it's, those are the memories that come back to me when I listen to this album or, or moments like that. And uh, it's it's just a great song. It's a great album. I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, if you can, find your copy. Um, they're out there. They're just harder and harder to find. I, like I said, I would check eBay and Discogs. You probably stand a fairly good chance of find, finding a version there. Um, also, you know, maybe they are on Spotify. I don't know. Uh, like I said, I don't possess any music subscription services, so I really don't know what's available out there. I know my music's available on all those pers- prescription services. <laughs> That's what it should be. Um, but it's out there on all those subscription services, whether it be Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. Um, but as far as a, a, a listener, I don't have an account for that sort of thing because I just tend to buy the music that I want to hear. Um, but anyway, that's that's the show, guys. Hope you had fun. We'll be back next week with another show, whether it'll be a review or an interview. We'll uh, we'll have to find out next week. Take care, guys. Oh, you know what? I have been meaning to do this for a while because on my other show, The Magician's Podcast, where I go into all the Uriah Heap songs, I talk about one of the products that is really important to the sound quality of my show. And that is IDC or Instant Dialogue Cleaner made by a company called Audionamics. They are a wonderful bunch of people that have created something really amazing here. And it's very simple. You just turn a dial. And it, it detects the difference between your voice and background noise, and it and it moves a lot of the background noise just out uh, into the world of oblivion. And I can say I live right next to the airport in an apartment that has a lot of kids. I live fairly close to a pool. And, you know, as I've been recording some of these episodes early on, still in the late summer, um, you know, there's a lot of pool activity. But how much of that do you guys hear in the podcast? Very little, if anything. And Why? because I just turn on my instant dialogue cleaner and I turn that dial to where it really is just my voice. And, uh, you know, some things there, it's always possible little things are going to cut through or be on the same frequency as my voice that the program might determine is me. But for the most part, I mean, 99% of what I hear going on around me, you guys do not hear on this podcast and it has become of them. So because of them. So thank you guys. Love working with you. I had a great time meeting up with you at the last couple of NAMM shows. That, uh, that we had before COVID and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys again. So thank you guys for all you do. And also, you know, another pro- product of theirs that you might want to check out is called Extract Stems. You can actually take mixed music and break it back out into individual instruments. You can do vocals, drums, bass, and other, which would be like keyboards and guitars and 
other, you know, f- f- wide range fre- frequency instruments that, um, you know, don't fall into those other categories will will uh, separate there. So it's a great place to learn guitar solos or keyboard solos or drum solos. It's a great place to learn how to follow along with the vocal or maybe remove the vocals so that you can sing along with the song. And um, yeah, it's a really, really cool program. So check that out at Audionamics, A-U-D-I-O-N-A-M-I-X.com. And they're just wonderful people to work with. I can assure you I've met them in person. They're, they're really hardworking and dedicated, very creative people. And they've, uh, they've actually cleaned up audio on a lot of projects and been a part of a lot of wonderful remasters and reissues and things. So uh, they're doing a lot of work out there behind the scenes besides just making incredible tools for us to work with. So anyway, now that that is uh, put into light, have a great week, guys. We will see you next week with another show. In the meantime, if you are so inclined, please check out my other show, Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast. Cheers. (laughs) 